G'day ladies and gents, welcome to Life of Mine, Matty Michael here and I'm here each week to bring you some down to earth conversations with a whole range of characters. We talk about mining, we talk about life, we talk about absolutely bloody anything and we do it in true Aussie fashion. So if you like an unpolished yarn where the level of professionalism can significantly vary each week, then Life of Mine is where it's bloody at. Rightio, for this episode's guest, this bloke is both a legend and an enigma. From boiler to construction manager to then social media marketing guru to keynote speaker, all done with a true blue Aussie tinge. Adam Bean is nothing but a fucking weapon. And this is an awesome yarn. We unpack what is behind this mysterious career path of Beanies. You're going to love it. Now, before you do anything, make sure you follow all the Beanies' social pages, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and also check out his website, isometricmarketing.co, just .co. You want to see social media done properly, this is the bloke you want to follow. And this is why people go to him for social media coaching and advice. Right, let's get into it. Copy your shift boss. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy your personnel. Yeah, copy mate. Yeah, in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, right, copy that. The the hat backwards thing on your, your the keynote speaking video. Yeah, yeah. Is this a bloody? I'm going. I'm trying to get into the psyche behind the the beans tactics here. Yeah, is right. that a? Is it an actual strategy like? to be remembered by having the hat backwards or like instead of just going up in your plain self is yep. that a brand thing what's what's it the is, go it is the, there's two reasons behind that one was it, it is a um, brand i think people always remember that and i actually took it off after i fucking walked off stage and people walking past me looking for that fucking bloke that just did the talk <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually that's a uh, that's a specific hat it's called a chroma which is uh, yep. uh what plot welders use so yep. a- anyone that's in the trade associates it and knows it, and because I've come from that, that's my background. I've never made any fucking, you know, never tried to hide the fact that that's my background. That's where I started. That's where I come from. So it, it's there because of that, and it is, yeah, people do remember it as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I did. I did think. I didn't think it was a bloody. It was an accident. How'd you go yeah. on the? Hey, God, how many of them are you done now? The keynote, keynote jobbies. I did a lot. In Gladstone, when we and I said when I was up there in 2010, I probably yep. used to do them two or three times a month up there. Uh, that one there I did for Motormine, that's his music conference recently. I haven't because I've been away and it's so hard when you're working FIFO, it's very hard to get everything to line up. So I probably haven't done any for I don't know 12, 18 months or more, but it's something I'm going to get back into now. It, they're not hard to do. Once nah. you go, if, if you can do a podcast, man, you can fucking. Do a, a keynote. Yeah, it's 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 got a good. I like the title, keynote speaker. It's yeah. just like if you're gonna if you're gonna flop it out and show run how long it is, you, you put keynote <laughs> speaker. Make, at make the it top sound of. good. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you go? Were, and were they all on construction, or was it were most of them on the social media marketing side? Uh no, it was all all marketing based stuff. So yeah. as I say, when when we're up at Gladstone, it was all to do with that uh, project grow. Actually, I've done more because I did do some not long back. I did some for a um, uh, fucking network and breakfast stuff. I I did do a few when I was ops manager at um, what's the name actually? Uh, fucking where is it? When I was ops manager at Harrison, I did a few there. 
And because um, I tried to get them to do all the shit, put a podcast up and all this sort of stuff, and they went, no, nah, no, don't need that shit, fucking railway, no any difference, blah, blah, blah. So we parted ways in the end. But, um, yeah, man, look, wherever you go, someone wants to know how to use social media. Fuck, it mm. doesn't matter where, where you go, what industry you're in, all the rest of it, and it's just a matter of using it smarter. And, you know, that, that tool, what, what, the way that I do it and the way that I use it, it's no different to, it's just literally like having a fucking camera on your head when you walk around on site and people can see what you're on about and you can communicate with them. Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've noticed something with your your stuff that I've never never really seen on anyone else's. Like, because you go into your social media page, the uh, Adam Bean, the social tradey one, yep. and your Facebook page is like a website. Like you know, with the the title cover um, or the cover photo and everything is like a movie, and it's all like because yep. most people you just go into it's just a static picture. Mine is. Yeah, yeah. You go into your Facebook page, it's like going into a fucking website. It's. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen never seen it before until I've seen yours. I may mightn't have looked too hard, but yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people. Have, I don't know why people haven't picked up on that, but yeah, the cover image can be a, a video, and there's well. Because I do video, so oh, number one, I'm no good at creating. Um, what is in that? What do you call it? Fucking static shit. Yeah, logos and crap, crap like that. I don't fucking hate doing that shit. So I'm not going to spend hours. It's it's quicker and easier for me to smash a video out than it is to sit there and fuck around with a, some sort of editing program and try to do that. I love the bloody love the video you put up yesterday of the. Uh- the preempt of the first question would oh uh, and and the bloody pinger music to go with it. It was bloody, <laughs> it was bloody, like it was bloody brilliant. What? How did you? What software are you using for that? I was intrigued. I'm like, because I I'm the opposite to well, I'm like static image video all yeah. that shit fucking useless. I haven't got that side of the brain that works for me. Hopeless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you doing with that? What software are you using for that? That that was just iMovie, mate. Which is just a standard software that comes in. Um, Apple stuff oh, on a Mac, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's, I'll flick you a link to another program that I use. It's fucking AI based, and you can basically, if you can type email right, and you can fucking drop and drag shit, you can make videos with it. And a lot of yeah, the right. videos that I do, some of the videos, well, a bit of it, is all done with that. It's called Lumen Five. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's very. It's AI based. It's actually supposed to be able to write stuff for you and stuff as well. Where it does it particularly well, but it, it's. What you can do with it for fucking for for free is exceptional. Yeah, more than enough to get everyone started. It's so engaging, but that's mm. what I find about it. it. Like video, just oh, I was just Im- impressed by it. It's, it's, you know, you know how impressed you get by something you can't fucking do yourself. Yeah, usually <laughs> that's what I bloody love about it. Yep. It's uh, and I've, I've described you in the intro. Yep, as. I forget the exact words, but one word is just enigma, an absolute <laughs> fucking enigma. I've, as we said, we've gone through this bloody. That's why I had to call you the other day. I'm like trying. I'm like pretty much calling. Like, can you please what make sense of yourself? Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make sense to me. This this boilermaker construction supervisor to marketing manager to social media keynote speaker and like as a said in capital letters like what the fuck please explain <laughs> where do you want to start it's, it's all over the shop you know that you won't even start at the start it'd be like a fucking po- it'd be like a bloody tarantino movie yeah yeah start at the end and we'll go back to the beginning <laughs> 
Get into it, mate. Give us the spiel. Give us the spiel. Go back to actually, I want to know, like, the thing that interests me the most is when you started the social media marketing stuff. Yep. Not recently. Like, when you said 2008, you got into this sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. How prevalent was it back then, social media? Mate, well, I'll tell you so. I went to a uh, networking meeting, right? And um, there's this bloke there. And tw- Twitter was actually the first prog- uh, program that I cut my teeth on. And I went along to this networking thing because I thought, oh, well, I started learning. As I said, I'd got to the end of that training that I did back in 2008. And the guy said, you need to go out. They said, local businesses are just getting screwed, okay? He said, by big marketing agencies, he said, the shit that you've, you've been taught is better than a, what do you call it, a, an MBA in marketing was his description of it. He said, you need to go out and teach businesses this. So I thought, oh, I'll go off. Fucking hate networking. I didn't do it for very long. So I went to this networking <laughs> event. And um, anyway, this bloke, the got, he said, what do you do? I said, oh, I do social media. And back in those days, I was the only one pretty much on the coast. Maybe one, two others that were doing it and no one else was doing it. Everyone just thought it was a fad was going to go away. And he says, um, oh, what do, you, what do you do? And I told him and he said something about, oh, oh Twitter, because Demi Moore had just got on Twitter at that stage and she had a, like a massive following, right? And he goes, um, oh, six months time, Twitter will just be, everyone will have forgotten about it. He said, I'll just be another fad. I said, oh, is that right, mate? And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, do you hear what they're saying about uh, horse and carts the other day? And he, he said, what's that? I said, There's, they're going to get the fucking things back out and get rid of cars because they reckon it's just a fad. <laughs> 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 and uh, he didn't take too kindly to it. And that was pretty much the end of my networking days. And I went and found <laughs> people in other places. <laughs> <laughs> they were a bit more receptive to what I was doing. He's probably fucking flipping hamburgers at McDonald's now, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. He had to do um, um, social media, yeah. <laughs> because did you, like, what did you did you have in your head when you're seeing Twitter back in, like, 2008? Did you think this, because I don't think everyone else did, you're like, this is where the world's going in the next decade down this, this path of whatever path it is. Did you recognise it early? I did, mate. I, look, I'm... A lot of it, I, I find, I'll go and find someone else to look at what they're doing and see what they're doing and say, you know, can I see where this is going? And at the time, there's a bloke called, I don't, you, you probably know him, called Gary Vee. And Gary Vee was just kicking it off at that stage. He just built uh, Wine Library TV on YouTube, done a really good job. of blew his old man's bottle shop up, sold fucking millions with it. And... He were, the first time I watched him, actually, I thought to him, and, and this is important about social media, everyone goes, there's only one chance at a, at a first impression. Like, fucking no shit, Sherlock. You only get one shot at a first impression. I mean, who's a fucking genius to come up with that? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gary V. Well, the first time I watched him, I thought, this guy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, typical yank. Didn't take any notice of it. But because he was punching out so much content on there, um, you could see that it... it just kept coming around and eventually I started paying attention to him and started listening to him and going, oh, this place not actually an idiot. He's just exceptionally uh, passionate and just the way he put across the way that he did. And my, he was on Twitter at that stage. He was he said he had billboard advertising that he said he was paying $19,000 a month or something like that for and he sent out one tweet on Twitter and blew away the billboard advertising. And I'm, We're talking in the States where, you know, millions of cars are drawn past it. Sent mm. a tweet out on Twitter and did more business that way. And I could see uh, it always been uh, – you could see for years that the, the TV and the uh, newspapers and all those sorts of things were dying. And so I suppose, yeah, from watching those guys and seeing what they were doing back against TV advertising and just the cost of it against what you could do on these platforms, 
you could see at that point that it, it was going to, and I wrote a lot of posts around that time saying, you know, if you don't get hold of this in the next five years, you're going to really struggle and you're going to disappear. And unfortunately, a lot of them did. And it's going to continue to happen. It's, it's still evolving, the whole social media thing, and it's still going to change. And it's, it's, what we're doing now probably won't be relevant in five, ten years' time or whatever, mate. But the thing is just to get started doing what you're doing and get on with it. Because did you like that, that? And that was interesting back then, like Twitter and like God, Facebook and everything. They were all, they weren't even really making money. Well, Facebook wasn't. Like you look at how how social media works now with boosting posts and everything. Like back then, it was you could just go nuts on it. Like you could do that much marketing for free. Now it's so controlled. If you're not putting money into Facebook to boost the posts and everything, you're not getting as much out of it. Like it's uh, they got a good got a good handle on it now. They're making a lot of fucking money out of it. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and it was always going to, to start off with, they needed content to be able to, um, what's the name, to keep these platforms afloat and for them, the people to sit on there and pay attention, keep them on there, right? And you, you literally, literally post any shit on there and people would like it, and share it, whatever. And I was saying to them back in 2010 as well, and again, this came from the likes of Gary Vee and Ed Darwell as well, and they go, it's free for now. Enjoy the enjoy the ride because it's not going to last forever, you know. At some stage, these guys have to get paid or these platforms just aren't going to last. And a lot of people whinge and bitch and all the rest of it about paying to promote your stuff on Facebook and all the rest of it for the price that you pay compared to what you had to do years ago when I talked about TV and all the rest of it. Mate, it's, it's dirt cheap, but there are ways that you need to do to do it right. You can blow a lot of money if you just doing it the wrong way and what you're doing is the right way. And, you know, yes, it, it's a business and people need to realise that it is a business and that to get the most out of it, you have to invest some money into it. Yeah. It's over east where you are, construction industry, is social media, what you're doing, interviews and everything, is it still a bit of a taboo? To all the uh, like, uh, a lot of the industry because over here in mine and it is lots of companies are so worried about going on for it, doing interviews or anything on social media just because they think of everything that's fucked them over in the past on social media and it's yep. just like a lot of them are just blanket rule nut nah, we're not doing it is it the same where you are it is mate it is and look i'll tell you another story uh this is actually a construction story right and it, it's a minor story as well because back we're back in 2006 we're building a little um gold mine down in bendigo and it was when that lad got trapped in the um gold mine down in tasmania i think unfortunately he lost his life anyway we're on site there and the union delegates asked us could they collect some money up and go and hand it over and we said yeah yeah no worries because i was the superintendent and the construction manager to work with him and I worked together for years, still do. And he let him go. He said, don't take the piss. He said, I'm not expecting you to come back in half an hour, but if it takes you an hour or two to go and do it, go and do it. No drama sort of thing. Anyway, they took the piss. They didn't. They went about 11 o'clock in the morning, didn't come back till just on knockoff or whatever. So he's docked him. Anyway, well, fuck. The, uh, the unions rang him up. And I'm not union bashing here at all. I actually used to be a union delegate myself, and they have a place and they are required. One of the uh, um, organisers rang him up and said, if, if you don't pay them, um, I'm going to call the news in, all the news stations. <laughs> Anyways, so old Anthony said, fucking go for it. 
<laughs> we were all up there the next morning, mate. The car park is chockers, right? There's Channel 9, there's Channel 7, fucking Channel 2, the whole lot of them. And anyway, him and I are sitting in his office, the phone's ringing hot. Him and I are sitting in his, in his office there. And about 20 metres out, actually on site, there's this camera poking at us, um, Channel 9 or something like this, filming us. And he says, looks at me and he says, he goes, if this all turns to shit, I said, fuck, what, what, this not good enough for you? We've got a TV <laughs> station in Australia. Anyway, so he went up and addressed them. He went up and um, did a, like a press conference up the front. And they said to him, oh, you know, they started trying to hammer him with um, trying to make a story out of it that, that wasn't there. And, and, and in the end, one of them said to him, and he, he just kept shooting them down. He goes, no, that's not right. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. In the end, one of them, said to him, um, given your time over again, would you make the same decision? He said, well, if I fucking knew all of you were going to turn up here, I probably wouldn't have. No. <laughs> anyway, they figured out, hang on, there's no story here. Okay. So within five, ten minutes of doing that press conference, mate, the car park was empty. They were all gone. It's no on social media. You might draw a bit of short-term attention. You know how hard it is to get attention yourself. But if something does actually go wrong, people's attention spans are short. We've got idiots like Trump in the White House doing all sorts of stupid things that are far more interesting than everyone else. So this big concern about oh, if we do something wrong on social media, we'll get crucified for it and it'll go on forever. It won't. People's memories are short. Yes, there might be some short-term damage. You just address it the same way that Pete did that same day and just go up and say, these are the facts, this is what happened, and this is what we're doing going forward. And it, and it disappears very quickly. I can't understand why people don't identify the higher reward versus the lower risk of social media. As you said, if you're doing it right, the the leverage you've got for such a good price to yep. get whatever you want, like companies to bloody advertise job vacancies or like they do that already, but like putting up videos, like just putting having a presence online, just people want to work for them. When I interview people on this, it's just – you hear a two-hour story about someone just giving a good, honest yarn about their life, their career, their company. Everyone's like, fuck, I want to work for that bastard. Yep. But some people are just so scared to do it, I just can't can't understand. It's uh, Maybe it's maybe the dinosaurs have to leave the industry before it starts to really take off. Going to be an interesting decade anyway. Definitely, mate. Well, uh, all those things that, like yourself, podcasting, myself doing stuff on social media, all, all the little bits, but as it becomes more normal, it'll become more accepted and that will fade into the background. You know, people like yourself and myself come through the ranks and don't have the same fear of it. It, it definitely will. It, it's better now than it was even five years ago or even two years ago. But, yeah, it, it's, it's un- unwarranted fear. Yeah. Now, the marketing beanie. Yep. The, the 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 construction beanie. Now this is uh <laughs> this is we're doing a lot of clarification for listeners here. Are what are these two different people, or is this an intertwined sort of thing that you're creating within construction? Oh, uh, it, it short answer is yes, it's intertwined, and but you've got to speak to the right market, the right message. Okay, so. Yes, I'm a boilermaker by trade. That's that's no bullshit. I did four years apprenticeship and I spent basically the rest of my working life in that role. I learned this stuff, picked this stuff up on the side back in, as I said, about 2008 when I wasn't actually working. I'd um, 
retired early and then the stock market crashed back in 2008, sorted that out for me very quickly. Un- unretired, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unretired, <laughs> it all went back. Uh, uh, it's a matter of of taking the skills that communi- marketing is just communication, all right? Sales is getting people to do. Marketing is telling people what you want them to do. Sales is getting them to actually do it. So that's exactly that. Think about that at a pre-start. All you're doing is running the pre-start. That's the marketing bit. This is what we're going to do today, boys. Then you go out in the paddock and you supervise what they're doing. That's the sales. Let's get this shit done. So everyone sees it as a completely different two different animals and the art, I suppose, but at the end of the day, you've got to remember it when you do social media and you do it well, you remember that there's a person at the other end and you're speaking to someone on the other end. And I, I was talking to you about this the other day. We were talking about our families think we're fucking mad when we sit down in a room and talk to a camera by ourselves with arm actions and all the rest of <laughs> going on. But if you don't convey that, that if you don't get that across to your market across whether it's a podcast where they can't even see it or it's video or whatever. If you're not communicating that message to one person so that they feel like that you're actually having a conversation with you, then it's a lot harder to get that message out there and get that message to spread. They're a lot more receptive to it when it feels like it's been personalized. So, and how, like, how are you incorporating like, well, no, there's probably a shitload of ways you're doing it, but give it, give us a snapshot of how this, you're using like your social media marketing skills in, in construction, in construction. As, a, as, a, as a supervisor. Give it like give us an example of a day-to-day thing. Righto. So a good example is the, you know, what I'm running at the moment is I run a, a video series from one of my pages, which is called Pre-Starts. And it's basically we all sit down and do lessons learned after, well, particularly now in, well, in the industry, I'm working in shutdowns and construction and stuff like that. You'll get to the end of it and you'll sit down and do what they call lessons learned, which is pull all the fuck-ups out of it and go, let's make sure we don't make these again. And what happens is we go to the next job, we forget about them and we make them all again. So what I'm doing is a series of videos and I'm saying to the boys, let's get on here, get all these problems into one spot so that I can look at them get a system behind them so we can fix them so that we don't make these things go on again. And then what with the ultimate aim is to build a um, some sort of a construction company, well, not some sort, but build a construction company or a project management team that go in, and when I say project management, that, that scores on the tools as well, that management happens and leadership happens at all levels, not just people that sit on their ass in the office. Go in and say, these are the systems that we've got that we use that no one else uses, and this is how we can pull projects back in and get them in front and all the rest of it. So it's literally taking a, a live stream video, putting it in front of the right people, getting some feedback from them, and then using that information the right way. Because, what, as I say, you can drive productivity, safety, and planning for social media from the fact that the guys sit down and listen to it. And the number of times, mate, that I've posted stuff on LinkedIn, different books and stuff that I'm reading, and the boys will come back to me or someone will pull me out of the paddock and say, hey, I read that book or saw that post that you did. So don't don't think just because you're not getting immediate feedback on social media either that people aren't listening and paying attention. And the amount of phone calls I've had and the amount of people that have pulled me up and said, particularly on the construction site, and said, that post that you said was really good, that video I shared was good, I read that book that you recommended. Righto. Let me see if I've, if this is a good analogy for it. I reckon I, I reckon I've got the perfect the perfect sum up of that. So, because you know, like a dirty word in any construction mining is 
business improvement. If someone yep. says there's a continuous improvement project coming up and someone walks in the door, they're like, like automatically without even knowing, they're like, look at these fuckheads coming in to try and change everything. <laughs> yep. Are you you're essentially saying what you're what you're working towards? The the I guess the bloody the business plan you've got is saying, right, it's a one stop shop. We're coming in to do the job. We're we've these these are our tools. These are the, the business improvement. You're essentially cutting out the middleman. You say it's a one stop shop of bloody execution and business improvement all in one without having the dirty business improvement word. Is that a fair sum up? Like that's fucking spot on. Right. What I like to call it is, and again, and comes back to communication is and getting the message to your market so they understand it. And you've you've nailed it there. It is we are cutting that middleman out, and that is what we're doing is cutting the consultant thing out. Is that um, the Cody Bryant unfortunately passed away earlier this year in that accident? He had a thing that he called the Mamba mentality where it was just about getting a 1% improvement, just improving a little bit every day. So always, instead of, because I always hated continuous improvement, it's another one of those catchphrases that we use in the industry that, like lessons learned, that we everyone uses it and everyone says it because you have to, because everyone else is doing it and everyone else is saying it. So I, I like to call it the mamba mentality as well because it, it resonates with the boys a bit more. Pretty much everyone knows who Kobe Bryant is and you explain it to them in those terms and then all of a sudden, okay, that makes sense. That's that's why we need to do that. Not like you said, someone coming in over the top going, this is it, we're going to fix you blokes up sort of thing. Show the big you continuous know. improvement circle on the PowerPoint up on the projector. Yeah. 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 All that does is piss blokes off, mate. Like 90% of those companies that come in to do this continuous improvement stuff, those guys, and that's why I do it online so that and they can see it and they can drive it as well. I've probably made the same fucking suggestions and they've been ignored. Yeah. Because what the – how'd you go initially with marketing in terms of – because you're, you're like me. You are – you don't sound like a marketing person. You're, you're – <laughs> you sound like a construction man. How did – what was your response from people when you are going with a, a true blue – Aussie nature, uh, an actual from the ground floor worker telling people how they should or giving advice on marketing and social media. Were they? Did they have a bit of a squint and say, "This bloke doesn't look like your normal city slicker marketing guru," you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, what what tends to happen, mate, is because of the way I do. Like most of my inquiries or whatever come through. Um, videos or something that, I, that I've set up on my, okay, through the, through the social media channels. I actually use social media to get business, funny enough. And that, that's the difference between most of the ones that call themselves gurus and the ones that actually get, get use the shit and use it properly. Because of the way that I do my videos, it's not slick and polished and all the rest of it. And there's actually evidence to suggest that people turn off to that because it, they are so sick of it. I mean, you, you want anything fucked up, get a market out, have a look at it because they, they will fuck everything six ways from Sunday, <laughs> flog it to death sort of thing. <laughs> um, that comes across. So it, it immediately, if if they're looking for the guru slick marketer, they're going to go, fucking, I'm looking at that bloke, he's unprofessional, he wears his fucking hat backwards, he swears, you know, all the rest of it. But if they want to hear the truth and they sit down and they go, well, I'm pretty sure this bloke, you know, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And it's always been, I've always gone, don't just take my word for it. I'll sit down and I'll run you through a plan, show you a plan to start off with, and this is how it's going to work. And it's always been 
tell me what the result is that you want to get and then I can tell you whether you, or want to get you from A to B, which is the other big thing in the in the marketing industry is they just like to use that, oh, we've got to get your name out there. Just got to get your name out there. It's bullshit, man. You need to get your name out there and get people to come back in. So it, I don't, I've never had that pushback, but I won't get it because, as I say, I use my marketing and the way that I present myself to push the people away that I don't want to deal with. If they're anal about it, they're anal about spelling and all the other crap, they're not going to come to see me in the first place. I, re- I reckon a lot of most of the people coming to you would have, or like some people would be like, "Of uh, so right, I've spent all this money with the the slick marketers. I've got fuck all." I need mm-hmm. you to sort it out for me. I need, I've made a mistake. I should have come to you first. Yeah, yeah I get a bit of that. As <laughs> much like when, when, when um, construction sites are the same, they'll fuck it up and it'll be behind and all the rest of it. And I'll say, look, we need you to come in and have a look at it and try and get this thing back on track or see what you reckon about it. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing, mate. They tend to... Oh, they've tried marketing at some stage and it hasn't worked and they thought it was whatever, didn't work for the industry and all the rest of it. But as I say, that's that's why I've always intertwined the two as well because when people used to tell particularly that bloke saying Twitter was going to go uh, be a fad, was like, I'll show you how it works in construction and then you can't tell me that it's not going to work in your industry. If I can make it work in there, it's going to work anywhere else. It's just a matter of adjusting it so that you're using it the right way. Is that – because did it start as a side – like you say, because it's all intertwined now, your marketing, your construction, your operational work pretty much all all the one-stop shop now but did the marketing stuff start as a side hustle was it like did you envisage like right this is just something to do now that i'm not doing the i blew my share market money of uh i'm gonna start a side hustle is that initially two separate things it it was mate yeah definitely because uh, uh particularly when i did the stuff with project grow up in gladstone that was targeted specifically at small business owners mum and pops that have got a, a little shop and whatever and about getting themselves a website and sorting out their social media so it definitely was um side hustle and it was always i'd got to the point where i, I wanted to get out of the construction industry as well, well i thought i did what i actually wanted to get away from was being away from home all the time i still uh, uh, the boys that I work with in construction are all my best mates and I catch up with them all the time and I've got great relationships with them. So it's more now and we're all getting to the age where we're getting on a bit and, you know, we're looking for um, more time at home and and more of a lifestyle thing. So I thought uh, now I'm going to use those marketing skills, those communication skills that i got to build this other thing in construction. I can still keep a foot in the door. I can have the best of both worlds. I can go there and help them out, get them set up and get them jobs and all the rest of it, get them going, and then I can head off and sit on the coast and do my marketing and whatever I want from from there. Is it So it's only just converged very recently, is it? Pretty much, mate, yeah. yeah. Right. The, the, the idea behind what I was – I did try to drive it when I was operations manager for one business. I tried to drive it from that angle there, and uh, the – business owners just didn't want to be on board with it. So um, I moved on to other things. But it was basically when I when I realised, hey, I need to pick this up and run with it again, was when I picked up and, uh, you know, him as well, Finney's podcast late last year. And he had a, um, a GM role going. And it was only the fact 
um, I didn't actually get the role and we're still in contact and uh, we're talk pretty closely all the time. But it got down to, there was like 30 people, I think, applied for it. And he said, it sort of come back to myself and one other guy. And I, it was only all these skills that I developed through the, the marketing side of things, which also led to uh, a lot of project management stuff in, as in you've got to understand budgets, you've got to understand communication, you've got to understand cash flow, um, wasn't sales coming in through the door. It's, it's all relevant. It doesn't matter what industry you go to. You're dealing with people and there's certain principles that work and they work whether you're in construction or whether you're working at running a marketing business. Yeah, right. There you go. So F- Finney shafted you. He didn't give you the job. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm still working on oh, that. Finny, fuck it. Give yourself an uppercut if you're listening. Tell you what. Oh, buddy. Oh, what a fuck. Shame him into it. Oh, mate. I'll tell you what, after this, he'll be, coming, he'll be on his hands and knees begging for you. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad you got the side hustle thing going, but in this current climate, you'd be fucking sitting there with your thumb up your ass in isolation at the moment if you didn't have this on your side, wouldn't you? Definitely, my lord. It, it's been a good um, wake up call, I suppose, as well. Is that I've been doing this since, as I say, about 2008 when I first started having a crack at it. I'm, I haven't pushed hard enough because I should be at the stage now where it, it could be a full time from a, a side hustle to a full time. So it's been a good kick in the pants as well to get out and talk to people like yourselves, get on podcasts, um, and get to the point, you know, to m- make it happen. And at this time, at the moment, there was a great, I mean, it was put up by one of the gyms the other day and it said something about if, the, if at the end of this you haven't developed a new skill, you haven't uh, created a side hustle, and I forget what the third thing was, there were three things that they said, if you haven't done those three things during this time, then it's not because you didn't have time, it's just because you weren't disciplined. So, you know, at, at the moment it's tough in a lot of areas, but, it's a great opportunity as well for people to, you know, start looking at these side hustles. Just get started, like yourself, mate. I'm sure you didn't start with everything that you got at the moment, did you? You, you just had a bit of gear and, a, and an idea and you started putting an audio up. Yeah, and it just seems to seems to happen without you even knowing. But do, do you notice with sight, like anything, learning anything new, when you're in the moment, you're just like pulling your hair out. You're like, oh, fuck, I'm just so slow and stupid at learning this stuff. And you just feels like you're just getting nowhere. But I look back now, it feels like I've been doing this for ages, but I've only just approaching a year next month. It just, just time is just so fucking out of whack when you're learning something. I've found it feels like it's taken so long. But then when you reflect, you're like, oh, I've actually got I've, – I've done all right in a year, in a sense. And you'd be the same. You've got a fucking decade to reflect on with what you've done. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, making me feel old. Because <laughs> <laughs> isn't it like when uh, you got a side hustle, I think – well, there, as you said, there's times like this is, uh, is shows how important it is to have something like this on your side because when, when your main job's fucked, at least you've got something to do. But, yeah, like – I just think side hustles are so good in terms of you don't have to – your risk is very low. You're doing it in your spare time. You don't have to go all in on something. You can just keep it ticking along. Like you imagine giving up construction like five years ago and going all in on marketing and trying to get bloody invoices out straight away, trying to get business to like pretty much fucking replace your construction salary. Like massive risk. It, yeah. 
It's uh, and it does, mate. Look, I made that mistake with the trading. I did t- before when I said I retired. I did two years. I was trading options, okay, and I did two years of doing it. And it was a runner. It was a bull market, and uh, you'd, like you couldn't miss. And that's that's uh, one of forget who says it, but he says success is a is a really poor teacher, you know, and it is. So I was trading, and it was going, and I and I couldn't miss every trade I put on for nearly two years straight while I was still at work. Didn't miss, so I thought, "Fuck this! I'm giving this away." Because like, it was like take me twenty minutes a month to do me options trades, and then um, I don't know. Instead of working eighty hours a week to make some sort of money, so it was a no brainer, brainer choice. But I, I did it before I was ready. I still, we still weren't really in a financial place to to um, to do it. I should never have done. And what happened was, as as the market started to dry up because the crash was in uh, October. Probably three or four months before, it was like I had these sort of set of rules, and you only trade if your rules were uh, everything lined up and your rules met. So the first month where the trades didn't come, I went, oh, it doesn't matter, I'm just going to sit out for a month. And second month, doesn't matter, I'm just going to sit out for a month. I got to the third month and go, fuck, I haven't put a trade on for two, three months. I need to get something going here to get the money coming back in the door. And that was when I went and put all those trades on. And, and the next month, the whole lot, I, I was spread, spread across about eight different sectors because that was another risk mitigation thing. But the whole fucking lot went at once. And those things happened. Like, like we got at the moment where everyone's got to sit home. And if you and I would have said in back in February, we'll both be, you know, it would be sitting home, everyone will be locked up. You won't even be able to drive down the street, set to get the groceries, go to the doctor's. Uh, take the dog for a walk with our what's the other fourth fucking thing that ScoMo lets you do these days? <laughs> if we just said that month six weeks ago, everyone would have said you're mad. And we are, we are all going mad. <laughs> 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 oh, mate, uh, your your bloody trading story just resonates with uh with mine. What what take it? What the emotional fucking turmoil. Were you in when all those? I'll show you. I'll show you. Were you putting call options on for the market, like to go up, essentially? Yes, mate. Yeah, I was writing bull put spreads. Yeah, yeah. So are yep. you? How, how, how dark were the days there when you've spanked all the coin? Mate, it, it's oh, you can't describe it. Eh? When you wake up in the morning and you just watch that, you just thousands disappear over fucking night, and it's just like. What am I fucking done? And then you're just in denial for a while, I suppose, and it just makes you sick in the pit of your stomach to see that everything that you were for was gone. But at the end of the day, you're still alive, you're still breathing, you just got to get up and get yourself, pick yourself back up and get going again. But yeah, it's like you won't do it. Well, you'd never ever do it twice. Put it that way. <laughs> did, yeah. you, did you double down? Like, did you chase the losses trying to? I did, mate. Yeah, yeah I, unfortunately, I did. I tried to roll out of positions. I spent about three months trying to roll positions out, and um, I actually had another investment in the market that was was like fucking days away from paying me. Oh no, over hundred fifty grand or something like that, and that fucking went as well. So the whole lot went went at once. Yeah, and you have to realise that you've got to have those insurances in place to cover that sort of stuff. I didn't think it was ever going to happen to me. Um, there's a really great video actually that I shared in uh, on my page today, and it's uh, by Atlassian. It says, "Well, really bad at estimating," and it's what they call uh, we've got this cognitive bias that, that we think that bad things are never going to happen to us, and you don't want to be. Oh, I hate to be a pessimist, and I'm pretty sure you're pretty optimistic sort of a bloke as well. 
but you have to really manage that risk and assess that risk and say, fuck, what is the downside here? And if, if the downside happens, can't live with it, and which is what I failed to do. I remember getting at the end of my absolute life cock up of wasting fucking in the hundreds of thousands. And the the feeling when you get to the end of it is totally different in the middle of it. You don't, I didn't even know, I guess it was happening. I'm just thinking, right, I'll get out of this here, blah, blah, blah. And you mm. get to the end, you're like, I, I don't know what's just happened. I, I, what what the hell have I just done? And yeah. my mentality was just like, I had, I, I had an element of, or like, no, pretty much 100% of the element was a gambling addiction, but it seemed professional because I was using the stock market. I was a sophisticated yep. investor, not a gambling addict. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Fucking mug punters, mate. That's what we were. Oh, exactly. I'm like, well, I can't play the pokies or uh, stay away from the horses now because that's gambling, but mm. I'll go into the stock market. I'm sophisticated. And I was yep. the same. The worst, worst thing I did, I made some stupid amount of money in three days. Didn't even know how I made it. Like betting yep. on bloody indexes on in CFDs and everything. I'm like, oh fuck, this is easy. I was just bloody yep. telling everyone how I'm retired. And like that but that was the yep. worst thing that could happen. And I've like lost that end fucking about twenty times more. Yep. And uh, yep, I'm here and your brother oh. did the same thing. <laughs> Do you see it? <laughs> but you'd be looking at this whole COVID crisis with the share market turmoil, I got I can see the old demons are hit, haunting me head at the moment because oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this would be a good time to buy in, wouldn't it? Fuck, I'd being short when it should drop, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, but oh, I've, I've, I've got the good mentality now in terms of I know the only way to make money, unless, like if you're a retail investor, not a fancy bloody looking institutional investor that's got all the bloody data and skill set and knowledge behind me i'm sure they can bloody profit on short selling day trading consistently things like that but geez the only way to do it is low uh slow boring long term or just yeah. it seems like yeah. the only way to do it unfortunately yeah. uh, my old man used to have a system he used to he used to like a punt but um you always got to be he always used to say to me never better anything that you're not prepared to lose and it's the same I was just saying before about the upside and the downside. And he, and this is years ago when we were kids. He used to go to the races on Saturday, take me and my little brother. Probably get locked up for it these days. But anyway, he <laughs> takes to the races on Saturday. <laughs> and he used to have 20 bucks in his pocket, right? This is before key cards and all the rest of the bullshit. So he had $20 in his pocket. And that was his day out. That was what he was prepared to spend for a day out. So, you know, he like 10 bucks used to buy his beers and and uh, buy us a feed and all the rest of it, and he used to have 10 bucks for a punt. So at the end of the day, he walked away and he spent 20 bucks. He had his day out, and he, he was happy with that. But there was quite a, more often than I actually one day, I remember he won 1,000 bucks, which was fucking from 20 bucks. Was, you know, that was a massive day. Right. But he had the downside protected. Now, I should have known better. And it, that's that's what it all comes back to is that, is that particularly for the likes of us where – we do like a punt to start with, so the stock market's not a great place for us to be. But you've got to have the Keith Gunning ankles, the guardrails in place to make sure that you don't do what you did exactly the same thing that I did by the sounds of it. Oh, fucking horrible. But they're like these like side hustles, it's another form of we're having a punt here. 
I'm having a punt doing this. You're you're having a punt doing your marketing, but it's a it's a more positive punt. It's just a lot, lot, lot fucking less profitable sometimes. And if you if you calculate what you've done in the last ten years into an hourly rate, you may as well have gone yeah. on the fucking dole on the side. I'd be the same. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. I would have made more money at McDonald's probably than <laughs> yeah. But you, you get to that. You got to get to that point of what they call exponential growth, was where you'll go along, you'll go along. And- Nothing's happening. It seems like nothing's happening. It seems like nothing's happening. Then all of a sudden, it, it takes off. Yeah. And that's where where this theory of overnight success comes from. You know, people don't see the five years, the ten years, the hard work that before it. And that comes back to again what we're talking about: the mumbo mentality, that little bit of improvement all the time, all these little things that you do all stack up, and keep doing them consistently. Eventually, they will pay off. And it's just a matter of. Um, having the belief in yourself and just keep going, keep backing yourself. Don't Not to the point like we did with the stock market where you're doing stupid shit, but take what you can, invest what you can in yourself and keep moving towards it, keep working towards it. What what And what is your mentality like these videos you're putting out? Like the fucking time and effort and stuff you've done to, to pro- not just produce them but to evolve the standard and the quality because they're fucking awesome videos that you put on social media. Jeez, I'm turning this into a bit of a bloody suck fest. But But these videos, you're getting directly, you're getting nothing for it. No one's paying you to do it. But you're you're turning up each day to pump these videos out to why? Tell us us why. From, From your perspective as someone that's trying to get your marketing construction bloody amalgamated one-stop shop off the ground why why are you doing this number one it's, it's like uh even if you're putting a dollar in the bank every day eventually it gets to the point where it builds up enough that it starts to get self-perpetuating okay so to start off with it might feel like you put all these videos up nothing's happening but eventually somewhere down the track, track you will get traction it's an investment in myself because i know that I keep continually pushing myself to get them a bit better and improve them. And you said that yeah, you like them now. You wouldn't have liked the first video I put it up. I tell you, what, it's <laughs> fucking shocking. Oh, we should we should release it today. It's a bit of a reminder. Well, uh, we'll, we'll put a link up on that too. But um, uh, my absolutely fucking terrible. Right? But it's a reminder, and I'll never ever take it down because it's a reminder of where I started and, and how far that I've come. And it's people. There's all this talk around branding, a lot of bullshit. As I say, people run out and spend fucking hundreds on logos and all the rest of the shit. Your brand is what. You, there's a great book that I just started re- reading just recently, mate. And it's made me realise that a couple of your questions and a few other people that have asked questions like Boilermaker, social media construction, fucking superintendent, what the fuck sort of thing. It's made me have a good hard think about what I am doing and where I'm heading. And the book was called Your Standards. Stand is your brand, so it's more about your consistency and what you actually stand for. You got to stand for it. The stand that I'm making in the construction industry is that what we're currently doing is we buried ourselves in too much bullshit. And there's a thing called I don't know if you use it in mining or not called the hierarchy of control to eliminate hazards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not stop. Yeah. You can you can use the exact same system. And the standards that I'm making is we need to get rid of that bullshit and we need to make it so that we can use systems like Scrum, I think you can ask me about that down the track a bit more, to make it uh, a, um, to engage people more so that they're, they're, more, they're safer, they're doing things safer by themselves, not because we're standing there standing over them, whacking them with a stick, 
doing it. They're actually engaged and they want to do it. They're more productive and they're happier. And the way that I do that is by using these videos, showing these um, books, sharing these books, showing the ideas that I've got so the people can start to say, that makes sense. So if I can do that, if I can stand, make a stand and say to them, you know, what we're doing, currently doing isn't acceptable. If we use the hierarchy and control the same way that we do to uh, remove um, the fatalities and stuff like that that we used to have in the industry that we've driven right down with the hierarchy control, we can do the same thing to remove the bullshit that we don't need to be doing and make people's work far more enjoyable, far more productive. And at the same time, the byproduct of that is that when they're happy and they're enjoying themselves, they're safer. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you've got. I've got to put you in touch with Adam Turns, who is years will be bloody kissing each other by the end of this because he's uh, <laughs> he's got the exact same man. He's a safety safety manager, exact same okay. stuff you're talking about, and like you're probably ideology is exactly the same as his. You, you, you're essentially trying to put the onus back on the individuals to take responsibility without doing it yourself. Well, is that that a part of the formula i gather definitely but you have to give them the tools to to be able to do it and you have to give them the freedom to be able to come up with ideas to make uh, to make this stuff work all the rest of it and the, the way that the systems are currently set up it doesn't allow for that we've restricted ourselves so much with um, the mountains of paperwork and stuff like that that we do that doesn't keep people safe but no don't get me wrong the, all this stuff is important and it's good when I first came into the industry, the first three jobs that I work on, people were killed on. It was fucking dangerous, mate, when I started back when I was um, only 16, first come out of school. And the Commonwealth Bank building is one that is a key one that I talk about in uh, Queen Street Mall, just across from Queen Street Mall in Brisbane. You could jump in there and go straight to the 26th floor and walk. The windows weren't in it yet. Walk right to the edge and walk straight out off of it. If you were, if you weren't watching what you're doing, there might have been a bit of tape, um, danger tape strung across it and all the rest of it. So all this stuff that we've done is important, but we've now blocked ourselves with we've we've put so much of it in place and continuous improvement and all the rest of it. We need to remove some of the stuff that isn't actually making any difference. And it's it's trying to find a company. That is gonna like take on board what you're saying and have the guts to take stuff away because you ne- like you will just so easy to put an extra layer on that onion, but fuck me mm-hmm. to like to get them to take it away because they like all they're thinking of is obvious obviously the safety of people, but the repercussions if something goes wrong and they've taken it away, they're like fucking that's their job, career, company gone. It just it's too like the as you said all these new rules because they they've been written in blood they're yep. they're just fucking the, there's that much fear in people now that they just can't take any of it away it's just red tape on red tape yes yeah, well, we don't look at the repercussions of the decisions that we make and go is this actually practical or not if we go all right we're going to try it we're going to make this a new rule let's go and try it for a month and see what happens first instead of just setting it in stone. We're too, far too quick to, or society in general, far to look at the rules that have come in over this coronavirus thing. I mean, yes, we needed to stop it, all the rest of it, but the different types and different. You can this bloke can walk down the street because he's got a fucking blue hat on, and this poor cunt can't because he's got a red hat on, and all this sort of stuff. It's it's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. The amount of rules and how complicated that we make stuff. What 
what's the what's the vibe you're getting in in your construction industry with what what you're trying to put forward? What what are you getting back? Are pay, are pay, is there companies or are going to get on board with it, or do you reckon it's going to take a bit of persuasion from your end? It's still going to take some pushing, and that's why it didn't come off short term when I was trying to do it as the ops manager. Uh, people like the idea of it, but it's actually getting it on somewhere and getting it in place to go to start with, and like put, making a change in any industry it, or anything in life is difficult because we're creatures of habit and we don't like change. And actually, takes up to you know how they used to say it's like twenty one days to create a habit or whatever it is. Yeah. That that's that information is actually wrong. And if you watch a, there's a guy called Chris Voss. He was a former FBI and um, hostage negotiator, and he said it's actually it takes about sixty six repetitions before you start, get something starts to become automatic. Before we accept that you know this is the way that we're going to do things, and he does a little exercise to prove it to you with your switching your fingers and your thumbs, which we're on podcasts. So I can't really show you, but anyway, I've got videos on it somewhere, but. It, that change is, it takes a while to do. That's why I punch so much videos out because um, if someone watches one of them now and it might be, you know, they might not see one for another week or two weeks or whatever it may be, that, that time stretches out as to how many time, how many touch points I need to have with them to start changing their minds and start seeing what we're doing. So, yeah, it's not going to be a quick process. But the, the thing is, mate, the more engagement that I can get with the people on the live stream, the more buy-in I can get. Um, the guys start talking about this stuff on their sites, as in, oh, did you see what this mad bastard's doing on Facebook or YouTube or whatever it is, but what he says makes sense, then then it'll start to get some traction. I, I compare it to bloody – I was thinking of, like, ads on TV, like, about just just back to that point of just turning up and just pumping videos and just keeping it going and going. Like you think of some ads on TVs. I remember them fucking. You know the meerkats that compare the market. Like yep. yeah, that like, that was the first one that came to mind. Like that's been on for years. I'm like, what the fuck are these meerkat cunts on TV? I'm just like, <laughs> and it actually. I remember, and then I think it was probably like two or three years later. I, I actually went to the website. Like you just, or just it just eventually. <laughs> like that was me personally and it'd be the same doing what you're doing you just there'd be people looking at these videos like this bloke with his hat backwards and and talking talking to us about bloody they mightn't have even know what you're talking about they mightn't have even clicked in and they eventually like fuck oh oh that's what he's talking about and like you, that's yeah. the thing it's not an like any any fucking thing like this you can't be an overnight success with it it's, a, it's not that fucking uh, no, easy no such thing. <laughs> It's actually the mere exposure effect is a thing that they call it. I was thinking for the name before and I couldn't, but it's somewhere between 20 to 30 touch points now, basically, for uh, depending on what you're selling and how complex what you're trying to explain is um, that you need with, with someone before you start building that level of trust before they start looking and coming and doing business with you. So, What's a, what's a touch yeah. point? What do you mean by 20 or 30 touch points? They might see a uh, something on Instagram that you post. They might watch a short section of a video on Facebook. They might see something on LinkedIn. They might get an email from you. So it's some sort of interaction with you yourself or your brain, or not yourself specifically, but uh, when we talk social media and all these digital platforms, it's a touch point is literally um, something that they see, a piece of content that they see, okay? Now, there's ways to shorten it up. Like what you're doing with the um, podcast 
is the best way of doing it because oh, I forget what the fucking stats were. Someone said something. It's one of the, it's most trusted media of all the media's out there is podcast. Oh, mate, I'm fucking, and, I'm a trustworthy character to go with. Oh, like, I know. You can see it in your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. I want to talk about the construction component of what you're doing, just like because everyone we're yeah. an hour in and everyone probably still confused as fuck. But uh, the construction component of what you're doing, what yeah. what is Scrum? You talk like it's on your LinkedIn Scrum leadership keynote speaker. What what is Scrum? I gather we're not talking rugby union or rugby league here. What is it? No, all right. So Scrum's just basically a system of – Scrum's built on the way that people actually work instead of trying to go, um, this is how we want them to work. So it's basically – generally what you got is a big board and what they do is it's trying to get everyone on the same page so they're all working in the same direction but remove all the bottlenecks and all the restrictions that go with everyday life. Well, at what – what we're talking about before, eliminating a lot of bullshit that we don't need to be doing. So basically on a scrum board is what they do is they'll have sticky notes and you'll write a task on a sticky note and it'll go on a board. And the board split up into categories of uh, backlog, which is stuff that you need to get done, to do, doing, and done. And then they have a separate column, what they call the pen. So if there's if, if I take a, a job, say I had to edit the video for this um podcast edit the audio for this podcast so my job might be to edit the audio so if i get to if i take that task and i get to the point where i go hang on a sec i don't have the software that i need to edit it that task would then go into the pen so that we can see that it's getting held up because what happens is people will start on a task and they'll get a hold up for it and there won't be a meeting about say uh, there won't be a meeting about it again. It's, it's due to be finished Wednesday next week, and we don't have the meeting about it until Tuesday to see where everyone's up to. So I'll go the whole week going, I can't do that because I don't, you know, I don't have the software to be able to do it. And you get to Tuesday, and then it, it goes, why haven't you done that, Benny? Because I didn't have the software. When it's all up on a whiteboard, everyone, the idea behind it is anyone can walk into a room and see what's go- exactly what's going on at any given time. And it's about getting the information that's in people's email inboxes out and up on a, on the board so everyone can see what's going on. And it's it uses, again, what they call the mere observer effect, which is that just by watching the experiment, it changes. When people know that um, everyone in the team can see what's going on and what's happening and what they're doing, they're, it's just human nature that we're going to go, oh, well, I need to get my bit finished. Does that make sense? Because I'm looking like a fucking idiot because my bit's just sitting there and everyone knows it. Yeah, it hasn't done. Yeah. 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 But but it also flags up issues straight away. Like I'm saying, if there's, you know, there's a bit of kit you don't have or whatever it may be, it's sitting in the pen. Why is that job sitting in the pen? That's fucking high priority. Why is that sitting there doing nothing? Oh, we don't have the right gear for it at the moment. So someone can pick it up and run with it and get the right gear in so that it can actually happen. So is that the whole reason of using post-it notes, boards, fucking computers off because you're never waiting for a computer to load. It's all it's just there. You can't you can't never see it. Is that the men, one of the mentalities behind it? It is, mate. It is. You move the tech out of it because technology is great as it is, and all our dramas get the podcast kicked off today. As great as it is, can be a huge time waster as well. And you know, time can just hours, days can go flying out the door. 
And, and there's a, again, they come back to saying in that Alessian video that I was talking about before, they say, how's the project get 12 months behind? They say it's one day at a time. Yeah. So the, the scrum board flags that up straight up. Everyone can see, you know, something's wrong with this, what we're trying to do here. It's lagging. It's not moving. Who's supposed to be working on it? Why isn't something getting done about it? And what do we need to do to fix it? I'll just I'll just let everyone know that that podcast fuck up was on my end. Beanie is fully hundred <laughs> percent confident and was ready to go, and something <laughs> fucked up after on my end. So yeah, just let everyone know I'm I'm the useless one today. But <laughs> my, my, as I said, I, I recorded a video the other day, a live video with with the mute button <laughs> in part of it. Well, it's too much fucking shit to check, especially for bloody bogans like me and you, buddy. So is that whole scrum system? Oh, like within construction itself now, we'll talk broader after that, but is that essentially your job, like your shift sheet? Like that that's just used as your like as how the whole project's run? Is that where your morning meeting is just every bloke bloke and chick standing in front of that board and that's how you run your day? Yeah, well, basically the, the meeting that they run, they run a daily stand-up so no one's sitting down and what they ask three questions every day for everyone that's in the meeting and they keep the meeting short, sharp and simple and that is, what are you doing today? What are you doing? Oh, sorry. What are you doing today? What are you doing tomorrow? What's holding you up? And if you get those three questions answered from everyone, everyone knows exactly who everyone's working on, where they're heading and what's stopping them from completing what they need to get done. So it, it's a very simplified meeting, but those three inf- pieces of information are extremely critical. And most of your issues that you get, most of your hold-ups that you get, or, or they're called bottlenecks, all right? Most of the bottlenecks that you get will get removed by asking those three questions every day. And that that's not just for the benefit of the person, it's benefit everyone around them because they, Joe Blow sitting, standing two spots to the left of uh, old mate might know that that's a bottleneck, but he knows that now. Exactly, my lord. The first bloke might be doing something that the second bloke's waiting for him to finish. And he, he says, I don't have the fucking resources to be able to finish that job today, so that's going to impact him down the line. Maybe he can give two people over there to finish that off to move to his job. And, and that's a, it's, it's, it's a communication tool, and it's about making sure that the right resources are heading at the, the right bits of the project or whatever. It, it'll work in mining the exact same way, mate. They, there's a... Um, What's on one of the pages that they talk about uh, Saab actually adapted it for fighter planes that they were uh, building because originally it, it's for come from software development because apps had to get updated so regularly and everyone was off doing different fucking tangents all the time and nothing was getting done. So they developed Scrum to keep them all moving in, in the one direction. But they can use it in manufacturing something as complex as fighter pilots, uh, fighter planes, so it will work across any industry because it works the way people work. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not about the industry; it's about how people work. Uh, so where has it been implemented and executed so far? Where where have you oh, seen? No. Let me. Run, well, I've used it on shutdown. We, I used it on shutdown up in Karatha uh, probably eighteen months ago, and one of the supervisors came to me one morning. We put a scrum board out. It was just a basic board with the tickets up. And he came to me one day and he goes, fuck me, Deb. And he said, I've done more in three hours this morning than I've done in the last three weeks yeah. just because he knew, he knew what he was focused on doing and what he had had to get done. Yeah. But, I mean, it's been – this is just going off their uh, 
back of their book, right? So Google use it, Amazon use it, FBI use it. Um, what did I say? Saab is another one in the, in the manufacturing space. It comes back to it goes back to even manufacturing, and uh, the Japanese used a system called Kanban. And Kanban actually ties in with Scrum. We won't go into both because we just fucking bore everyone. But anyway, um, it, it's along the same principle, mate. It takes the continuous improvement, all the rest of the bullshit, and just puts it all into a system that makes it go from to do to done. Yeah, that's the simplest way I can describe it. If you want to get to to do to done fucking quicker scrum's the way to do it yeah right and we can assume that like google and amazon sort of know what the fuck they're doing so yeah, you'd reckon so yeah <laughs> well that well i guess that is because i was, was going to ask but i think you've answered it saying is it transferable into mining construction oil yep. and gas everything sounds like it is everything mate everything everything one of the big bugbears in it they talk about gantt charts now gantt charts just don't work. Uh, I don't know if you guys work off those for your maintenance and your production as well, but you know, the, the Gantt chart was developed for World War Two, and as I say in the book, it, it wasn't the uh, most well-coordinated war that we ever had. So <laughs> it's, it's really old technology, and, and it was poor in its day, the Gantt charts, but being able to use the, the, tr the biggest problem with it is, is that everyone's so stuck on wanting a fucking Gantt and all the high up management and stuff like that, you have to actually have to run it in parallel to show them we can get you the same result as uh, a Gantt chart will. How, what was the reception like when you first, when you did it on that shutdown project? What was the, give, give us a vibe of the room. What did everyone think? Natural pushback, as you said, because no one likes fucking change. Yeah, look, the, well, I, was, I was pretty lucky on that one because I handpicked the guys that went with me. And that, well, the guy that actually said to me that I've got more done in a morning than the last three weeks, he was the only one that sort of wasn't handpicked. The other guys were handpicked and worked with me for years, and they know I'm a bit fucking left to centre and that I'm going to come up with something different like that all the time. So they're just like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, this <laughs> yeah, time, he's you know? on his fucking quirky rampage yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his fucking marketing hat or his fucking construction <laughs> fucking superintendent's hat on the day. So they um, again, and you ever watch uh, uh, what's the Will Fo um, the movie Focus? Oh, with Will, uh, Smith. Will Smith. Yep, yep. Yeah, where they where they prime the mark all day to pick the number. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. With the, or whatever, uh, whatever when they're at the, the NFL at the Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Gets them to pick the number, mate. Good marketing and good use of social media is fucking priming the same way they prime that bloke. So that he they he had the uh, the answer in his head before they asked him what the question was. All right, because they'd already primed it to know what the answer was. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's exactly the same shit that I'm doing ethically. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all legal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is all legal. Trust me. <laughs> I'm giving people the answer that they need to take away and use to do this stuff. So they coming to me and saying, "Hey, that thing that you said, yeah, we're using that and that's working." All right. It's that's all I'm doing with social media is priming them to the point where so when I go to site and like you said with that shutdown, what's the pushback with it? All the rest of it, there wasn't really pushback because they all see me on Facebook, they see me on LinkedIn, they fucking know I'm talking about Scrum, and uh, half of them all probably are familiar with it. For truth be known, as I'd say, right. some of them then uh, have worked with me for years, so they fucking know. Just expect anything, anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, 
they were all good. But yeah, in that perspective, I was pretty lucky. It was a small crew. I had no fucking uh, input from anyone above me. It was like, go and do this and get it done. And no one wanted to know about it. So I didn't have a lot of pushback and it, it just run, run smooth. That's that's like a light bulb moment, the way you explained that. That focus, great analogy, because it's exactly what you're, yeah. what you're doing. Because like, when you get to site, well, this is how, if I was in the audience, this is how I'd receive you coming on site. Like, oh, here's this bloody, this bloke on LinkedIn for, with all the videos and fucking his mug. And yeah. like, I'm engaged straight away. Be like, right, what's, I'm keen to see what, how he actually runs the project. Like, it's in, it's intriguing. And, yeah. All, all from, as you said, you've primed me, you've bloody, you've got me a bit toey in the lead up of uh, waiting to see how you actually executed on site. So that's, um, yeah. there you go. Oh, fuck. I've got to, I've, I've got to write all this shit down. Bloody- <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Mate, that's all I was doing with that post yesterday. You know, you wrote that really good headline. What was it? Boilermaker, construction superintendent, marketing manager, uh, whatever, social media. Yeah, what, what, the what the fuck? <laughs> fuck. That, that, that's a good headline. And, that captures people's attention. So that's all I was doing. I was just priming and saying, hey, well, this, this thing's coming. I'm going to be talking about this, this, and this. And they'll go, oh, fuck, yeah. And, you know, that you've got to prime people for to want to watch content as well. Sometimes you just punch a bit of content out and you want to put it out into the world. But when you've got a bit of time with something like this, you need to spend a little bit of time priming as well first, saying this is what's coming up, this is what you're going to learn, and create that bit of intrigue in there. Explain this to me. This is, uh, mm-hmm. well, as you see, after these questions I've sent you, I'm not even going to ask them. We'll just do anything. But uh, <laughs> this is one of them. Explain this. Why do you think that, say, you and I can do what we do to the public, swear our heads off, as soon as I shut the camera off, I'm the exact same and so are you. Why, why, yeah. why is everyone else, corporate people, media personalities, whatever, Maddie Johns is a bit of an exception. That show they've started drifting to down that road, but they beep everything out. But why does everyone else have to put on such a bloody corporate professional facade in front of the camera? But as soon as it turns off, I bet you they're swearing as much as you and I do. What? Yep. Why? Why? Why is that? Why? Why is everyone so scared of being themselves on camera? Legal repercussions is probably one. Yep. Yeah, it is that, and the fact that uh, anyone's a lot of people are afraid to get on social media and say something. I mean, because we've got the um, tall poppy syndrome in Australia, right? Like it or not, we do have that, and it is bad for us. So they're worried about getting torn down for a start. Like others are because, and particularly, like I think what you're aiming at is here is why why won't executives get on and say what the likes of you and I will say? Okay. There's a perception of what's professional and what's not. To me, what well, my perception of professional is is, is if I, I swear, but look, my number one priority is look after my boys, make sure they're right on the job, and that um, I get my message across to them. They got what they need to do their job. These guys seem to think that they've all bought into the corporate bullshit of this is how we act, this is what we do, and like you go into most of the big tier ones, websites and all the rest of it, and they've got these core values. And, and I'll tell you what, mate, you could copy and paste from one one website to the other. Well, that's okay. what they've done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And you've seen it, it's, it's right across the side of me. And like the guys back, when I, 
I watched cricket when I was a young fella. There was a lot Ian Botham and Dennis Lurie and Rod Marsh and those lads and Marshy and Bernie used to drink on a cart and a piss each on the plane over to England and all the rest of it. There was a perception back then that that was okay. It's not only mine, I'm not, not condoning that sort of drinking, but the characters have got squashed out of the, the game quite a bit. And it's the people, what I call, and it's actually pretty good time in the way that you've asked this question. I'll write one of the things I'm doing at the moment because we're sitting in this thing is write a book called Troublemaker. Okay. Well, as we're speaking. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm thinking, fuck, how good's this bloke? Multitasking <laughs> at its best. <laughs> and I've always said that my best guys, my best supervisors spent more time sitting outside the headmaster's office, and this is the guys on the tools as well, spent more time sitting at the headmaster's office than they did in the schoolroom because they they were the troublemakers, man. They, were, they weren't afraid to speak up. They would speak their mind. And... Those guys, one or two things happened. They actually tend to get seen as, oh, that's just the way he is, and it gets accepted, and they do continue on, and they actually do make a change, And but the majority of them will get squashed down and just get pushed aside. They're the first ones pushed off the job and all the rest of it, which is a real shame because the industry is losing a lot of the uh, improvement that it could get. And that's what it comes back to, mate, is how prepared people are to actually – was I mentioned that book before to stand up and take us to, to stand up and make a stand and say this is this is me this is what I'm like like it or lump it but this is the way that I, that I'm going to conduct myself yeah I fucking love it because uh, and speaking about those exact people you were talking about when I've like uh, a nipper I don't know if you want to uh, nipper's like the the guy that helps the jumbo operator underground so the guy yep. that's you know feeding me up the ass at work. My ideal nipper, this is the one I want to see. I want him to, like, it can be a him or her, but I'll speak about males because there's not many ladies that look like this. I want him to preferably, I want him to have a mullet. I want him to be yep. covered in tats, probably smoking preferable. I want him to drink as much as they, like, heavy drinkers, rough as guts because they are the best workers you can get. Yep. Like, like, majority of the time, the people that are rough as guts that people like look at and think oh look at this look at this unit best workers yeah. you'll find and like they're, yeah. they're practical they think and they work their ass off and then when they're finished they go and have their six beers turn up do it again better than ever the next day they're the people i want it'd be the same yeah. in construction oh, oh, a lot of the time yeah mate as i say yeah one of them um <laughs> first day this actually how the book opens so you're getting a, a bit of an insight here and and was i took over this crew i was working on this job typical of this company that i was working for at the time that load you up with way too much work and i had i was running three crews and i come i didn't know this guy from the bar site anyway um i come up to him the first day and said look mate what's going on here what's going on here what's going on here just trying to, to get my head around what's happening and he, he's just looked at me and he says tell you what he says, um, you fuck off back to the office, get yourself a coffee. And he said, oh, I've got any troubles, I'll come and find you, all right? <laughs> <laughs> this bloke either knows what he's doing or he's going to fucking hang himself pretty quick. <laughs> so we'll, we'll give him a better rope and see what happens. And but it, that was 2010, and I just come off a job that I took him to again with me on the um, where, where I just was on the shutdown. And he's one of my best guys. We're best mates. Yep. Always have been. Yeah. Yep. 
And, you know, you, you can't, like you said, you can't uh, get a preconceived idea in your head of what professional is. I'll, I'll take him over anyone that, you know, you, you interview some supervisor and they'll give you all the right answers and they look the part and all the rest of it and fucking hopeless. Yeah. But man, that bloke, his boys, I've never seen that. Uh, I've never had a supervisor who boys have so much respect for him as that guy. And I, I, I would take him anywhere. Yeah. Now, this, the, where do you want this whole fucking format to go? The scrum format? Like, do you, what's your vision for it? Do you, do you reckon it's going to take off? Is it, is it, it's obvious, as you said, it's taken, like, it's been used by bloody fucking top tier massive tech companies. Yep. Do you think it's, got the legs in Australia? That's my goal, mate. Whether I get there or not, whether someone else has to pick the ball up and run behind me and and take it on board and whether I don't break it in mind, that, that certainly is my goal for it to become the, the industry standard yeah. that, that, we, that we use. Um, but if it's not, and there's trying to think of the there was a rapper that my young bloke loves that actually died years ago and he said, I might not um, change the world myself but I'll spark the mind of the person that does. Yeah. So that's partly my stand and my mission as well, is if it's not me, then I'm going to spark the person that, that picks up and, and runs off of me, and, and they're the person that changes it. As long as we get bloody get scrum written on your Tupac. gravestone, you'll be right. Tupac, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Tupac was the rapper. <laughs> hey, model, yeah. cis- model citizen to look up to. <laughs> <laughs> but again, mate, he, he was, you know, well, he was a bit of a disturbed um, person. I'd, I'd say from the little bit of research and stuff that I've done on him and you can look at him but man you, you watch some of his video and you um, watch a there's one on YouTube that's done a guy does the top 10 habits that people have and that was one of the things that came out of that video that I watched on two back that time I thought man that's powerful so to go you know I might not change the world myself but I'm going to spark the more that does well, so you, got you, you can't just judge him by the fact that he you know he was a rapper but, but you look at Guys like himself, and I'm, I'm bloody rambling on with an opinion here, so you know, I don't care if it's right. But like, you look at guys like him and, say, Mike Tyson, to to do what they've mm-hmm. done coming out of their environment that they've grown up in yep. is pretty, pretty commendable. Like, it's un- unbelievable. Right. Like, they're they're in the lowest percentile of success of like people living in like that were living in poverty, involved in crime, and they've become bloody international phenomenons it's pretty unbelievable it is mate it is people don't just don't realize the adversity that they come through well we you know when we talk about what we lost a bit of money on the stock stock market or whatever uh, and that hurt um it's nothing compared to what those guys did no now let's go to the marketing side which is like all intertwined it's just a it's a bloody awesome story. Now, one thing I want to know is you'd, you'd have your good head around this. You've got you'd, – you'd say, oh, what is there? Well, there's four. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That'd be your main four. What What yeah. is – go over each of them what they're good mm-hmm. for because I don't like, – like they're all like – depending on what you want, what there's – you use each one very differently. Like, like, let's use your own case with what what you're trying to do. What's what's each platform good for for getting your me- messages across? Okay, 
All right, so Twitter, I don't tend to use so much anymore, okay? It's just uh, like short. Actually, the way that I would use Twitter these days is I, I set up a bit of a challenge on my page the other day is that will be who, who would you want to interview if, if you could interview anyone? And the person I selected was Gary B. okay? So if I wanted to get uh, a message on social media to someone that I wanted to speak to and they're on Twitter, I only use Twitter because it's very direct, quick, short, and people don't tend to let that account out for any of their social media managers or whatever to manage. They tend to manage it themselves. So if you want to, if so, I wanted to contact Maddie Johns to come on, yep. bloody, I'd go through Twitter. I would. Yeah. yeah. yeah that would, that would, if, if you've got a Twitter account, that's, that would be my first border contact. I'll send an email to Fox Sports about it uh, yesterday. I'll just, uh, I'll just throw darts everywhere waiting for some cunt to say yes. But bloody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it, mate. <laughs> keep, keep, eventually, eventually, I will. Throw enough <laughs> mud sticks eventually. Yep. Righto. That's Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Uh, Instagrams. Uh, just short share, short chart content. Okay. So normally from Instagram, I try to drive them somewhere else back to, although you can use Instagram TV now to put longer videos up. That's anything but more than a minute, about, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it's generally to try and use Instagram to either drive them back to your website by the link in your bio or move them across to Facebook. It's, it's another touch point, I suppose. I'm, I'm I use Instagram and I use it pretty well, but there's certain industries that are worth better a lot. My young blaster PT, so it works very well in that sort of industry. Uh, photography, it's fantastic for uh, any, anything visual that um, people just want a real short, sharp piece of content on. You can post it to Instagram. Yeah. Facebook, uh, pretty much everyone's got a Facebook account. So, you you can turn it to whatever you want. And the targeting is that fucking good on Facebook. It, it's ridiculous how, you know, how tight you can you can actually target your videos to. The big one with Facebook is video views, build video audiences. So you get – and the, the, there's a lot of AI happening in the background with Facebook now. So it can actually tell you better who your videos are suited to than you can pick yourself. So you sort of give it a bit of a broad – um, idea to start with and then watch uh, let just go for video views as for who watches it who pays more attention to and obviously you keep feeding them more video you can do anything on Facebook okay so I use it for the construction side of thing that's where the pre-starts is running use it for the marketing it's perfect for that you can pretty much if someone's got a Facebook account you get your message in front of them by boosting it so Facebook is like the, the all-purpose tool that it's the default I would actually go to first out of everything else. Yeah. LinkedIn is a different animal again. LinkedIn's for me is all about um, creating conversations and uh, interacting. Now, I'm going to give you a tip here because this is fucking super powerful. If you want to get a hold of someone under on LinkedIn, on your mobile phone, you can't do it on desktop, but on your mobile phone, you can actually message them via voice. Ah, right. And this is ha- this is how I cracked Finney too, eh? How, how I got in a foot in the door with Finney. No one knows, very few people, even the fucking gurus and the ones that I know about um, that use it really well, I've never heard one of them mention it yet. And and a voice message, when you take, I mean, don't ramble on for hours or whatever, keep it short, sharp and to the point, but it, there's a connection with voice that you don't get with a written 
uh, with writing, okay? And people can get a feel for you, like I was saying before. It, they can tell from my video straight away whether, you know, no, I don't want to deal with him. Yes, I do want to deal with him. And it gives people that that connection that you can't get any other way. So if Matty Johns is on LinkedIn, I'd be also trying to hit him that way as well. Yeah, right. Where, where do you do it? I'm actually I'm in LinkedIn now. No. Where, yeah, where do you do it? I'll just pull it up. So you go to LinkedIn, go hit, hit message. Yeah. As if you're going to do a message, right? Ah, the microphone. For, for a new message, there's a little microphone down the bottom. Okay? Yeah. So don't tell everyone that because that's my number one trick. Can you send those messages to people you aren't connected with? That's a good question. Oh, because I, I know you can I've, get – um. Because I, I, you have to be on premium, don't you, with LinkedIn? Yeah, you probably would have to be on premium to be able to. Look, you can, you can message people that you're not connected with. I um, think you get a certain amount of in-mail messages a month or something yeah, if you're not on yeah. premium. They're trying it because fucking premium. So premium's like 60-odd bucks a month on LinkedIn. It's pretty pricey. Yeah, you got to it, – look, if you're using it well, it's cheap. Yeah, but oh, exactly. If you're not, not using it a great deal and all the rest of it, it it's, yeah, more expensive. But I'll probably – and, look, don't just hit the – you can connect with people that you don't know. And it says connect, and then it goes, do you want to send a short message? Yep. Big tip is if you know someone else that's connected to ask for an introduction, but put something in that short message. I always go, hey, such and such. You always use their first name for a start. Hey, such and such. I was just, and then I'll find something that's some sort of connection. Like I'll go and connect with people a lot of the time off of um, Finney's podcast that I've heard off someone else's podcast. I've been reading their book or whatever it is. So people, I always say, no, I was just listening to your interview on such and such. Um, it'll be great to connect, Benny, sort of thing. So yeah. just post that little bit, personal. little bit of time that you take to personalize it, it makes a massive difference. Because you can see ones that have been copy and pasted, like, hi, Matt, oh, just yeah. to, I'm just trying to expand my network. Would be great to connect. Yeah. I'm just like, Ugh, I just want yeah. to fucking spew on it. Is that, who the fuck walks around talking like that? Yeah. So, so why would you send a message like that? Now you wouldn't go up to someone and go, "Hi, great to connect with you." Yeah. Sort of Robotic, thing, you know? isn't it? Just, just, just talk the way that you would talk, the way you would introduce yourself. Put that into a message. Fuck, there's- Watch the results. There's going to be I, I some- I guarantee you'll be get fucking much better results. There's going to be some fucking voicemails, bloody voice messages floating around <laughs> after this, mate. I'm going, nah, I'm going to go nuts on them. Every bastard's <laughs> going to get them, buddy. Oh, poor, poor fella. But that's so- Because that, that's the exact- Oh, you just- oh, you like fucking awakened me from the dead today, Bernie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but that- I'm, I, I've been going through the same thing when I'm trying to fucking- suck people off to get them on here it's yeah. i'm trying to send them a message that is trying to show that i'm you know down to earth aussie and that that's that's the brand i guess but i'm trying to convey it in text and i'm like i say g'day yeah. or like i might chuck a bit of word slang in um the voice thing is exactly what i've been looking for essentially just to it's the perfect, perfect way to I've been trying to do it in text, and it's just too hard, too hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh fuck! Perfect way, mate. Look, you can. This can transfer across to uh, if you got their mobile number as well, right? A short uh, video, 
Yeah. Just to say, instead of trying to ring someone, if you try and ring someone straight, if, I don't, if someone tries to ring me, I don't know who they are, I ain't answering the phone. Yeah. Sorry, because I, I get that many calls for blokes trying to get on jobs and all the rest of it. Unless it's one of my boys, unless your number, your name pops up, I'm not answering. But if you just send someone, because people are busy and you don't know whether they're in a meeting or what they're trying to do, just shoot a short, sharp video. Hey, again, same thing. Hey, such and such, just trying to contact you about this because of about this because of why. Don't try and hide it. Don't try and fucking sugarcoat it and, and all the rest. But don't come out just trying to take some of them. So. I just wanted to contact you and talk to you about that X. Um, what if that's a um, you'd be interested in doing it? Make it easy for them to reply. So just shoot me back a thumbs up or, or the best time to contact you, something like that. Yeah, you know, make it easy for them so they don't have to think about fuck. What do I need to do? Do I need to email this bloke or message him or, or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, a, a, any way that you can um, personalize, and, and if they really don't want to connect with you, then so be it. They don't want to. But it's far better than like you said, those generic bullshit LinkedIn messages that you get. That you, you just know as soon as you read it, you know it's it's generic. Yeah, you no, know, they put no thought into it. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, because do you have like a certain part like all this shit you're telling me today? It's oh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I couldn't have come up with it myself. Do you have like a spe- like a bit of a way you think that's sort of unlocked all this social media knowledge that the, like have you got a bit of a knack for it like do, or have you worked fucking pretty hard to get all this stuff well it's may as well talk yourself up beanie no other cunt's gonna <laughs> <laughs> for one of a better word mate it, it is continuous improvement okay so like i said the first video i had shot was fucking shocking all right and i have just studied and studied and i've watched guys uh frank kern uh, Ed Dale, but I don't, I don't just pull stuff from just market. I'm going, oh, I'm going to be a market. Oh, I'm a, well, I don't read books like Get to Yes and all that sort of shit. Right? I don't know no, any of that fucking traditional fucking crap, sales crap. I, I don't like it done to me, so I, wouldn't, I won't do it to anyone else. And that, that is the secret to it at the end of the day. All right? Don't do that. Don't fucking try and come and do what you fucking hate having done to you, yourself. So I'll pull stuff like that book that I was talking about before, Chris Voss, the um, Never Split the Difference, the book's called, right? Uh, so a lot of the stuff that I use to introduce myself or to ask people questions and stuff like that comes from that because it's all, again, it's dealing with people. I just take what he did in the real world as a hostage negotiator and use that same information. I'll, I'll just see something, I'll read something, or I'll watch something and go, Fuck, I'm going to try that. I don't care if it's someone's using it in the um, restaurant industry or whatever it is. If I think if I can take what they're doing there, because we're, we're all dealing with people at the end of the day. That's all we're, all we're doing. So it's just about um, oh, leadership books. Oh, I could stack a fucking pile as high as my um, house, different leadership books that I've read. It's, it's just been continuous. Might keep stacking these things one on top of the other. Keep using stuff, keep testing stuff, keep trying stuff, see what doesn't work, and load up on the stuff that does work. How close do you reckon you are to the beanie win- winning formula? Are you? How long your framework you use at the moment? I gather that's, as you said, you've taken pieces of everything. Yep. Though you're still continuously learning. Where, where are you at in the path to, I guess, your marketing bloody dominance, you'd say? Right, I reckon I'm about man, another guy that I've learned a lot of and 
uh, study is actually my mentor called a guy named Barry Bull, and he, he, one of his sayings was, "Most people give up when they're about ninety percent. You know, they're ten percent from where they need to get to, and that's that last ten percent that's probably takes um, is probably the hardest of the lot." And I reckon I'm at, at that 90% mark. It's, there's about, I'll never ever reach 100%. You never ever get to the point where you go, I'm happy with what I'm doing now. This is it. I'm just going to stay here. Because you either improve them or you're backsliding, you know, you're going backwards. So I'll never ever be happy with where I go. I'll always want to be ta- stepping it up another level. But I believe at the moment I'm, yeah, about, about that 90% mark. Mate. And that's a decade of hard fucking 12 years of bloody hard work to get to that. It just shows yeah, you the... Yeah something yeah, like is, this yeah. to be, become a, a reputable expert in a field at fucking a lot of years so many years so many fucking muted videos and fuck-ups to get to that stage isn't it but oh my <laughs> i could keep youtube going for a year on the stuff <laughs> how many comp how what percentage of companies do you reckon or just how much how many companies just completely fuck up their use of social media like specifically ones that are really on board with trying to use it i reckon there's probably about and this is goes across everything in the world you probably know but you've done a bit of study about 80 20 rule Proto's principle yeah about 20 percent you know get 80 percent of the results i reckon it's probably skewed even more than that mate. i reckon there's probably about between five to ten percent that you do it and do it well um the ones that do it really really well are probably minimal probably two three four percent yep. that actually use it to the point where you go there's very often that i look at a post and go geez that's really well done yeah yeah because you're you'd be super critical wouldn't you yeah, look, and look, I'd, again, I've spent the time. It's it's like anything that you want to get to in life. Um, you don't get to – you can get to a level of being good by just doing a, a bit of work. But if you want to get to what I call a level of mastery, which is the guys that, you know, get Olympic gold medalists, you're, you're top performer athletes, all the rest of them. If you really want to master a, a particular, no matter what it is, it's social media, welding, driving a bog or whatever it is, it takes years of practice to get to those places. You look the old old blokes, some of the old guys that um, old crane drivers that I work with around the place. Man, they're fucking magic those guys. Yeah, but they didn't start out like that, and they weren't always like that. And you know, it took them a long time to get there. How how common is like a response like this? Like, say you ask me, uh, just ask me a question straight out that you would ask someone that you're trying to. I guess get a bit of social media business off, or to to help them out. Ask ask me a question. I'll give you my honest answer, and you tell me how common this answer is based on my side hustle. Well, oh, normally the number one, look, I don't chase around after them because of the way I've set my marketing up. They're generally coming to me. But if I was asking someone, I'd just ask them, um, you know, how happy are you with what you're doing, and what sort of how how well good a results do you think that you're currently getting with social media? My true answer would be, I'm not that happy with it, but I don't have enough fucking time and money to do it better. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a lot of people do that. And again, again, it's a perception thing. Like you can spend a couple of bucks a day if you want to just boost posts and get them running. And if you get one one decent post boosted and running, that's you know doing bringing work in through the door, or 
building your brand or whatever it might be, then you should do that. I, I don't believe that people should overextend themselves and try and spend heaps on, on it. And that's what the big branding agencies do. And they, they rely on the fact that people are just come back when they, uh, it's a fucking crazy system that you've ever seen. It's like, we'll do something for you. It didn't work. And you come back to them at the end of the month saying that didn't work. And what, do, what do you reckon we should do? And they go, you should spend more next time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's her answer. It's like, it's fucking insanity. What about the what aspect of not currently working, so I spend more on it next time. Yeah. What what about the aspect of things that you do, such as having like your videos and things like that, trying to trying to get people to be open to start doing stuff like that, but not being afraid of because when I look at your stuff you do, my first reaction is, Oh fuck, I wish I could do that, but I'll just I don't have the time to learn it or start it. What 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 do you say to someone like that? Okay, so what the again? Another guy that I follow online is called Dan Sullivan, all right? And he talks about that you need to work in what your uh, yeah unique ability. And I, I don't don't get me wrong, I haven't got this perfect myself, far from it. And that is, you can't, you're not going to have the time to do everything that I do and the way that I do my videos and all the rest of it. What you need to look at is, he says, when people look at a task, the first thing they go is, I haven't got the time. I can't, this is the answer I should have fucking given you before. I don't have the time to be able to do it. And what he says, you need to start looking for the who is the who that can do it for you instead of what. Yeah. So there's a lot of, lot of tasks that you do that you don't and you shouldn't be doing. And not that you can just give over. I mean, unless you've got a, a and, um, what's it, a bottomless pit of, of money to start with, you just start removing little things, little tasks that you can't do. Go to sites like Fiverr and whatever it is, get someone to do your audio editing on a pay, a, hire a, a local t- There's heaps of kids that know how to use social media. It's like far better than any of these businesses do. And yet you get the business owner sitting on there who's what, my age, and most of them haven't got a fucking clue how to put a post up or what to write or anything else. And they'll try and do it themselves when that, that's not their core skill. Their core skill is that, you know, the whatever their business is, they're really clever at that. And it's just people try to do everything themselves. You can't do it all yourself. You could spend all day on there trying to do it yourself. You've got to look at what can I remove and how much value is this task adding for me. And I'm going going to send you a a sheet out of a book, actually, from Perry Marshall, 80-20 Sales and Marketing. And and, and in that – he go. He lists all these tasks. There. He said, "There's ten dollar tasks, hundred dollar tasks, thousand dollar tasks, and ten thousand dollar tasks." And what you got to do is to free up your time to do the hundred to ten thousand dollar tasks. Is remove those ten ten dollar tasks to start with. Yeah. Start getting rid of some of those. Free your time up, and then make sure you're focusing on those higher end tasks. Yeah, because it to, is two of them that you're already doing, mate. But um, doing social media well comes under hundred dollars an hour. And he said, doing social media with extreme competence, which you get into with the with the um, podcast, he said, is like a thousand dollar an hour. So you've got to just get those. But editing a, a, a podcast is ten dollars an hour. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it is a matter of just um, grabbing the advice where you can, investing in yourself as much as you can without, as I say, just blowing money. You've got to have a, a target to where you're going to get to with it, but invest in yourself as well so that you can move into those areas that you should be doing more in. Yeah, how, how time-sensitive do you reckon, like, growth of anything, whether you're doing a podcast, start trying to do a solo marketing um, 
career or whatever business anyone's trying to get off the ground, how time sensitive do you reckon is the use of social media? Like in terms of people that just sort of cruise through it and try and do it themselves, but don't do it that well. And yep. compared to someone that really, really uses it well and to that they're in that top percentile, how different do their, is their company growth, do you think? Like if you use social media really well from the outset, can that mean the difference between making it or being broken essentially? Oh, definitely, mate. Definitely, 100%. I mean, bringing people in through your door, marketing, get people in, is that's your cash flow. Yeah. So if they ain't coming through the door, you know, you know well, there's a uh, saying that I use that comes from P.T. Barnum. Uh, what do you say? Without promotion, something terrible happens. Happens nothing, <laughs> and uh, you know, unless, as I say, don't go out, waste the money on logos and throwing it away on branding companies and all the rest of it. But that, I mean, have a look at it at the moment. How important? How much better would everyone's laws be at the moment if everyone had what um, that, that program that I'll initially learned to do the marketing with they talked about building um what they call it a thousand true fans and they call it a true fan someone that's willing to pay hundred dollars every year to buy whatever your latest thing is whether it's a t-shirt or a, a come to an event or whatever it may be so they say if you've got a thousand true fans which is not you know that it's achievable for pretty much everyone artist podcaster whatever it is that's a hundred thousand dollars a year yeah now, that, you're not going to retire on that and all the rest of it, but, I mean, how much of a difference do you reckon that would make for pretty much everyone in Australia at the moment in sitting in their current circumstances? I know for me it would make a hell of a difference to have 100 grand, you know, knowing that you're going to make 100 grand whether you're going to work or not. And, and that's – that's I'm not telling anyone that, that that's what they're going to do and they're going to be able to do it overnight and all the rest of it. I'm not making any claims. But if you put the work in and did that and got to that level – yeah, that's achievable. Because looking at back at, I know how I, how I've fallen into this bloody thing. Looking at how you've fallen into your marketing thing. Go back to two thousand and eight when you were fucking the Wolf of Wall Street, bloody smashing, uh, smashing <laughs> options. Belford, would you would you change it? Would like knowing that this is where you've ended up. Yep. Would would have you lost all that money? Like like. Sort of a stupid question, but do you did you need that to get where you are today? Probably, mate. Yeah, I'm a great believer in that. Um, things happen for a reason, and it was a tough lesson. But had I had I not learned that lesson, then right, it just would have ended up a bigger fucking mess. Yeah, realistically, because it wasn't until I lost it all and realised that. But like you said, I wasn't a sophisticated investor. I was a fucking mug punter. You know, I could have had 10 times that on the table. Who knows? What, what would have you done if you were bloody, like, as you said, you were going to retire early? Like, what what would have you done, do you think? What was in well, your head at that, that time you were going to do? I first started looking at the, the speaking. So I should have, and again, take opportunities when they present themselves. There was I spoke to you this about the other day. I was at a um, a conference and there was a guy there that was teaching speaker training. And fuck it, to this day, that's the one thing that I still kick myself about, even though I should never ever look back, is that I didn't take some of that money. It was just before 
that crash, take some of that money, invest it in his course, and get um, the systems behind me for the public speaking. So that you know, I'd be in a much different place now, I believe, if I if I had done that. Yeah. And I would have uh, that that would have been the track that I would have gone there. Would have been that speaker. That was out of all the things that um, were available, and like there was all sorts of things. There was CFD trade, and there was fucking forex trade, and there was speaking. There was oh, there was all these different stuff that you could do at, at that at that event. I would have gone down. Uh, would have pushed harder. Not that I haven't gone down that track, but I would have pushed harder down that speaking track earlier. Yeah, because that like you take away your investment fuck up. Same as me. Like it's that's such a it's such a big. If that didn't happen, it's such a big chunk of our story gone. Well, that's like yeah. the foundation of where we are today. Your guess was uh, yeah. fucking gambling. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep, pretty much. Yeah. Well, now isometric marketing. This is yep. uh, this isn't a term. This is your the is it a company name or brand name? What is it? Is that is that your company name? That's just uh. Uh, website isometricmarketing.co. Now, the reason for isometric is I'm because I'm a baller maker by trade. I did a lot of um, pipe welding, installation, pipe fitting, that sort of stuff, built, building piping. Yeah. That was more especially at one point in time. And an isometric drawing is what you run pipe work off. Okay. So it's very simple, but they're, they're very simple drawing. There's a few lines on them. It's got all the information on that that you need on there, and it gets you from A to B without a heap of other bullshit on there. So I always set up my marketing like I want my marketing to be like that isometric fucking drawing. Okay, I want it to go. That's where we've got to start. That's where we've got to finish. I just want the the pass from there to there, and I don't want a heap of crap on there. I just want to keep it simple. Give them only the information that they need to get from A to B. So that that's where the whole isometric thing comes from. Yeah, yep, yep. And this is your. I had a good read of it the other day. I love the let's meet at the pub, buy me a beer. That's our first <laughs> meeting. That's a uh, fucking, what a fee. That's a play. But yeah. do you notice that if you said to some people, it's like the value of like the beer industry, if you if you had on there uh, come for a uh, meet up here and pay $10 and get this, they'd be like, oh, fuck that. I couldn't be fuck paying for it. But wording it yeah. like just come here and buy me a beer, yeah. Oh, piece of piss! Uh, beer, beer, and yeah. beer and money are like two. It's like fucking. Oh, I'll give you a thousand bucks to do this, or you can just give me a cart to piss. The piss <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Construction currency at school. <laughs> what do you give? Give us an overview, or guess what? Of you, if someone comes to you to isometric marketing and say, "Beanie, come bloody help me, you bastard!" What? Take us through the fucking journey, mate. Give us a virtual meeting right here. Yeah, righto. So literally, it's a conversation, okay? So it's not a sales pitch or any of the rest of the bullshit. So what I normally sit down with them, I think when those, they're, I used to be called the chug test, which I pinched off a guy called Steve D. Sims because he said, fuck, why would you want to work with anyone that you're not happy to sit down and have a beer with? Oh, fuck, I like that. So I grabbed it and now I call it the bullshit abolisher session. So basically, I sit down and um, there's digital marketer do this thing called a social media um, audit. So I sit down and go through that form with them for a start. It takes about 10 minutes. And like, I can literally tell how well people do or don't use social media by reading their feed. You have a quick read through it and see what they're posting, whether it's crap, anyone's paying any attention to it, um, whether, whether they're going to get any traction what they're doing. So I do that. And the other thing that I'll say to them is, look, you, you're not going to have the time to try and do stack it. I learned a while ago because I worked with a lot of people, highly motivated people, and they just couldn't 
fucking get there. I'd give them the stuff to do and they just wouldn't follow through and do it. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? And they had all the best intentions, but they just never built the habit of um, that social media needing to be a priority. So I never sat down and did it. I said, for a start with, you need to get, you're going to have to get rid of some of the bullshit that you're currently doing. That's why I use that hierarchy control. I use it a little bit differently. It's can we eliminate it to start off with? Can we um, automate it? Second, is there a bit of software or something, some way we can automate it? Can we use a system to get, or what system we're going to use to get it done, which is Scrum? Uh, a process to get it from A to B so that people can follow along the steps and know that they're heading in the right direction. Kanban's what I use there. I said, and then it gets down to the stage, do you need to do it? Can you fucking delegate it or can you outsource it? So looking at that, um, something that we can take out of the business to start with, which is not hard to fucking find. People waste enormous amounts of time. So I find them some time. I show them where they're going by doing an audit for them and I show them a, a couple of things that they, they can actually do, like the, the LinkedIn ones. One, I, I would say to them, you know, you, you could be doing this, what we did with you just before. There's another one which is um, works really well for hairdressers and stuff, which is uh, Instagram stories. Show them something like that. And then at the end of it, it's literally, what do you want to do next? Yeah, do you want my help? Keep going further? or And then they might say, yeah, I want your help put into some sort of occasion program or it's like some will say I'm not sure so no worries you go away if you want me to do you want me to contact you if they say no I'll let you know no worries um, that, that's the end of it and it's like it's not a push it's not a sales pitch it's not nothing else it's just we'll give you a bit of help first show what we can do then if you want some more of it you let me know and we'll do some more is this I can just say how fucking busy you are in life <laughs> is there have you got a like it, it'll get to the point where like you're only one person, aren't you? Like between doing FIFO and construction, and then doing the side nut side hustle. Is it um such a fine line between absolutely burning yourself out and uh at, to go into it full time, isn't it? Definitely, definitely, mate. Uh, so what I've actually before this fucking coronavirus hit, what I try to do is um I don't I don't work one on one very few people anymore because it, I just don't have the time but then and it works better if you've got people in small groups so I put them in small groups I was trying to do that and get them into workshops yeah but obviously well you can do it on, on, online zoom calls and all the rest of it I've tried to stick away from it because I find it's better if you're face to face in person but obviously that's not an option at the moment but that's the track that I'm heading down with it and the other thing that I, um, you talk about the different hats that I'm wearing I'll go um, I'm actually looking at now to say that I've got more time at home and I've got more time to put towards that is I may even look at, at um, real estate, going into real estate for a little while because, again, mate, it's, it's no different. It's just get people in the door that need your help and then helping them and then pay, charging them for it. So as in like real estate is in coaching people how to sell properties or coaching how to promote their real estate business or everything? No, no, I'll just go and do a, a what's-the-name course, a, a get a real estate license. Oh, actually go, oh, just to fucking confuse yeah. the fuck out of everyone even more. You're yeah, going to be yeah. a real estate Shut agent. Yeah, spanner in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how much – have you got a, in, in mind how um, – where you'd have to be, how much work would have to be coming through the door to go full-time with it? Definitely, mate. That's why I've sort of gone down the track more of trying to um, – get a construction crew on because if I could do that, it's it's nowhere near as hard because, you know, I can 
manage in the background and all the rest of it, and that would pay for it. Yeah. To do it full time, it's it's sort of it's extremely difficult to get it to full time with where I'm sitting at the moment between FIFO and doing that. That was why the plan was to get a a construction crew on site somewhere. While they're off working, that's enough to support for me to build the other side of the business. Yeah. Uh, there'd be so many people in the same situation with side hustles when you're not just getting to that point where you have to go. Like, Yeah, it's tough to get to that point where you're like, right, I can go all in right now. It's, yeah. it's fucking like you, there, there has to come that moment where you're like, right, I'm putting the cock on the block. I'm going for it. Yeah. Or you- but again, like, it's like we said with the Trident, I'm like, that, that's held me back for probably the last 10 years to get back to the point where I could still do that and I'm not there yet. But, you know, you take those knocks and you go, I'm going to be a little bit more careful about this next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now Lord, your keynote speaker, the bloody beanie, the mm-hmm. public speaker, beanie, the real estate agent, beanie, the everything, the bloody... <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it, it's, look, look, it sounds different because of all the what's in it. At the end of the day, as I keep saying, it's about communicating with people yeah. and being able to... To, to uh, as I say, marketing is telling them what needs to get done, and then sales is getting it done. It's no different. Doesn't matter whether you're doing real estate, whether you're doing construction, whether you're fucking doing marketing, whatever you might be. Doesn't change. Still got people involved. Yeah, yeah. And what, what, what when you're doing a keynote talk, are you? Is it just what you're doing now? What do you do? You have to do you come up with a bit of a, a bit of a funny. Uh, sort of narrative to try and get your message across well how, how do you how do you go into a keynote talk what, what's your prep for it how do well um i tend to i spend a fair bit of time i, I don't use powerpoint fucking hate it yeah. and because it's been overdone to death and you know that the old death by powerpoint anyway people just switch off and all the rest of it. it's about tying story. firstly i need to know who the people are in the crowd and how i'm going to tie the story back to it it's the same stories told and different ways just to connect back to them so that makes sense to them. So I'll, I'll pretty much always use that story that I told you about Bendigo Goldmine with the, um, what's the name? Because whether you're talking about a, a tier one company that's worried about what's going to happen on social media, the small business owners have got the same issues and concerns. So that that's the way that I address that one and get that one out of the road. I generally tell them a story about um, uh, my background at school, how I got out when I was, 15 and the teachers didn't yeah, one of the teachers actually said to me good luck you're gonna need it sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> and uh because my young brother come along that that was where i came up with the title of um troublemaker for the book actually because my young brother was he's four years younger than me he come along and got the same english teacher two years after i left and she looks at the thing and get reads the name and she goes nathan bean he goes yep she goes you later to adam bean he's like yep and he goes I hope you're nothing like him. He was a real troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's just a matter of telling those stories in my, and get, taking them on a journey from this is where I started, this is where I ended up. If you want to help getting from where you're starting to where you want to go, then, yeah, come and see me. What's that? Have you got? A, is there any recorded versions of any keynote talks on YouTube or anything? I've seen you. I've seen snippets you've got up floating about. Can you watch any of them anyway? That that one. That's the only one that I've ever 
unfortunately had recorded. Yeah. I can send you more more of that one, and that one was like an interview style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a panel so sort of it was thing. A, like, like, yeah, it was myself and um, my the guy that I said was my mentor. Yeah. Him and I got interviewed together at a music conference, but I've got longer sections of that I can send you. Yeah, but yeah, that uh, unfortunately I've never had anything else recorded, uh, which is a bit of a mistake. Yeah, oh bloody! Well, we look forward to seeing plenty more, mate. It's been a fucking belter of a yarn. As I said, all these questions like like I've asked of like only for the benefit of myself. Usually, I don't give a f- <laughs> I don't give a fuck who listens. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, mate, you're bloody. That's fine, mate. If I've helped you out in any way, shape, or form, then what we've done today has been well and truly worthwhile. Oh, well. mate, it's been, it's been great. And look, fucking, mate, give you, as I said, no one else is going to talk you up. You may as well uh, give a plug, the links, everything to direct to if people want to get in contact with you, whether it's about marketing, construction. What's the best yep. means, mate? Um, any, probably LinkedIn, pro- the. Main way to get what hold of me on social media. Pretty easy to find. Just bang Adam Bean into LinkedIn, and it'll come up. Or you bang me into a Google search, I'll come up as well. Uh, isometricmarketing.co. There's a heap of information on there that you can go and have a look at. The construction boys that want a side hustle, head across to fknmad.club. Because everyone's always said to me, you're fucking mad, Benny. So I went, oh, well, I'm going to use that's that. The, that's the that, bloody that's website. No. Website, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome, mate. Well, thank you. Fucking awesome yarn. I'll, um, I'll, I'll put all the links up on my end, but uh, there's probably more people, way more people following you, so you'd be better on your end. So. <laughs> No, it's all good, mate. That's, oh, man, that's been an awesome yarn. Oh, bloody, you'd be busting for a piss by now, probably. <laughs> yeah, I've gone through a bottle of water. <laughs> <laughs> nah, good on you, brother. And bloody, thanks, Heap, for coming on. And stay stay bloody virus-free over there. I will, mate. And thank you very much for having me. Too easy, mate. Cheers. Ah, good on you, Beanie. Absolute legend, mate. Reminded everyone again, follow his social pages. He's on every bloody platform. If you can't find him, you're absolutely useless. Check out his website, isometricmarketing.co. And if you need any help in the social media department, don't ask me, don't ask anyone else, really. Ask this bloke. He's your man. Right, everyone, stay safe out there. Hooroo.